0: Everyone, Siobhan Chabin here, and welcome to the UBS Conversations podcast channel. Our conversation today coincides with International Women's Day, a global holiday which celebrates the social, economic, cultural, and political achievements of women. My guests will focus on how women can take an active role when it comes to making financial decisions, planning, and including a look at what the wealth-building journey looks like for women. Joining me for the conversation today, I'm glad to welcome Nicole Herman of UBS. Nicole serves as the Relationship Manager for the Women's Client segment. I am also glad to welcome Michelle Doyle, a federal Federated Hermes, Michelle serves as the Assistant Vice President, Senior Marketing Consultant, and Women and Investing Chair of Professional Development at Federated Hermes. Nicole, let's start with you. With March being Women's History Month and this year's theme for International Women's Day being Embrace Equity, can you tell us a bit about trends that your segment is seeing?
1: Sure, and, and thanks Siobhan. The Women's segment is focused on the development and implementation of UBS's strategy to address the unique financial needs of women. Women's History Month is an important time to celebrate the progress made by women and to get real about the work that still needs to be done. One area we'd like to see greater progress is gender equality through the lens of equal financial participation, which ties in naturally to this year's theme for International Women's Day. This is not about how much money women earn. It's about women in marriages or partnerships taking part in the decisions about how their money is spent, invested, saved, donated, and passed on to loved ones and about helping women be prepared for their financial future. Here at UBS, we're passionate about getting more women to become financial stakeholders stakeholders, and to get the data to understand how to make that happen. We've spent the last almost six years getting candid insights from thousands and thousands of women and men for industry-altering reports we call Own Your Worth. Because that's the goal here, for all women to own their worth and take their rightful seat at the money table. Eight in ten women will end up in charge of their own finances, and the reality is that too many are unprepared trends illustrate why it's so important for women to know what's going on with their long-term finances. It's not about control or having to be in charge, but rather simply simply being engaged so that they're prepared for what life may bring. There's also a tremendous opportunity for women in their wealth. As of 2020, women controlled $11 trillion in wealth in the U.S. and are expected to inherit and control an additional $20 trillion over the next decade, which will be two-thirds of the wealth here in the U.S., according to a recent study by McKinsey. And finally, year after year, the following point has been consistent in our research. The majority of both women and men believe that women's equal financial participation is critical to us achieving gender equality as a society. In fact, almost 100% of men and women agree women should be more involved in long-term finances. Couples who share in these decisions equally say that this increases their confidence in achieving their financial goals in the future, that it helps them minimize mistakes, and ultimately reduces anxiety and stress about money in the relationship.
0: Thank you so much, Nicole. Now, Michelle, how about your perspective? What are some trends that you are seeing?
1: Thanks,
2: Siobhan. I am so excited to be here today for this podcast. And actually, before I dive into some of the trends that I'm seeing, I really want to emphasize that Nicole, I think you raised a really interesting perspective, and it's something that ties perfectly to the theme of International Women's Day, which is Embracing Equity. Equity and equality might sound similar, but I think that the distinction between the two is really important. And one of the easiest and clearest ways I've seen this explained is actually through a little cartoon. In this cartoon, you can imagine three kids, they're varying heights, and they're trying to watch this baseball game, but none of them can see where the fence is in front of them. So, you know, we could implement an equal solution where we give each of them a milk crate to stand on. But while the milk crate allows for the tallest child to see over the fence, the other two kids still can't see over the fence, even though they're all standing on that same height milk crate. But if we wanted to create a scenario where we were um, creating equity, we might give the tallest child the one crate to stand on so that they can see over the fence. But maybe the second tallest child needs two milk crates and the third tallest child, you know, needs two milk crates and a, a phone book to stand on. But that's what we're doing when we're creating equity, is making sure that everyone has what they need to create equality in the end. And correlating back to your comments, I think the great work that you and your team are doing at UBS is like adding one of those crates for women to stand on as they work on their wealth journey. And to build on that and go back to your question, Siobhan, I think another really important way to help build gender equity and financial planning is by addressing the debt gap and The debt gap is really hard, if not possible, to quantify, but one really clear place that we can see it is with education. According to some of the most recent data I've seen from the National Center for Education Statistics, women hold 61% of associate's degrees, 58% of bachelor's degrees, 57% of master's degrees, and 53% of doctoral degrees. And that research is a couple years old, but the point holds true, and it's absolutely incredible. And we do see higher education paying off for women. You know, if we see women who have no degree um, increasing their salary by 87% over women without a degree, But that education comes at a price because nearly two-thirds of this student loan debt held in the United States is held by women. So identifying these gaps and finding ways for women to pursue these degrees and Also, figure out how to manage their debt is another really critical piece in achieving gender equity.
0: Thank you so much, Michelle. So we've now learned about the difference between equality and equity, and I think it's a very meaningful conversation to further understand what makes women's financial journeys different. Michelle, would you like to start?
2: Sure. And you know, first and foremost, I'd like to say that everyone's experiences are unique, and our differences deserve to be addressed and celebrated. And I think that this is really important when we're talking about a wealth journey because it is so deeply personal and it can be really emotional at times, but that's actually exactly why we need to continue to pursue conversations like this one so that everyone knows that they're not alone in their financial journey, that there are people having similar experiences and that there are tools and resources that can help them. And with that being said, I think that one of the biggest differentiating factors in a women's wealth journey is taking into account caregiving. And caregiving takes a number of forms for women, maybe the most obvious example being motherhood for some women. And for those who have children, about 50% of the time, women are taking leave beyond their maternity leave to step out of the workforce. They're generally stepping away for around two years. So there's a huge ripple effect ripple effect of financial impact from that time out of the labor force, you know, from earned wages to retirement savings for opportunities to advance. And, you know, even for moms who do return to the workforce after their maternity leave, they have that. You know, 84% of them say that the reason that they're returning is because they feel financially obligated to return. And then you have women as caregivers to aging family members as well. And I read a statistic that the average caregiver is a 49-year-old woman who works outside of the home and provides up to 20 hours per week of unpaid care for her mother or another aging loved one. And then there's women who are providing care to aging spouses. You know, if um, a woman has a male partner, her lifespan is about five years longer than her partner. And one study I showed found that while 30% of women, millennial women specifically, were most concerned about their health and retirement, 70% were more concerned about running out of money in their retirement. So I think that caregiving in all these different forms really has a large impact on a woman's financial journey.
1: I think that's also a really good point, Michelle. And I think from kind of another angle, I think what's also interesting is that after a turbulent almost three years now, women are more committed than ever to leading more intentional and purposeful lives and making a difference in the world. Our latest Own Your Worth report signaled an unambiguous opportunity to engage women more deeply as financial decision-makers as they pursue lives of purpose and turn their intent into action. We explore the different ways women are increasingly moved, motivated, and inspired to more closely align their actions with their values and passions. The latest research also illustrates the tremendous potential of women leaders, investors, consumers, philanthropists, and advocates to drive broader economic and social progress. We learned that nearly 90% of women believe money is a tool to affect change, and the vast majority are using their resources to make a difference. It's important to meet the needs of women and financial decision makers through the lens of the values of their values and purpose, and EBS does a great job of meeting women where they are on their financial journey in this way.
0: Okay, perfect. So, Michelle, let's start with you. Can you both share any insights on the barriers women might face when they're trying to take a more active role in investing for their financial future?
2: I think that there are a number of factors at play here, but a couple of things that stand out to me and seem to be some recurring themes are, first and foremost, that women are under this false impression that investing is not for them. Um, I was reading a study that found that 65% of money articles in women's magazines define women as excessive spenders. They emphasize women who are, you know, kind of bad with their money, and they highlight women going on shopping sprees. And I'm just not sure that I've ever seen that in a magazine that traditionally targets a male audience. And I don't mean that or any of what I'm saying with the underscore tone of it's, you know, an us versus them conversation. But I do think that women are traditionally told that, you know, it's not feminine to talk about money. And then totally separately and somewhat anecdotally, I think that it's really challenging for women to pick a place to start in their investing journey. Um There are a lot of studies out there that indicate that women are more likely to be perfectionists. And I think that this really applies to their wealth journeys as well. They have this concept in their head that, you know, if they don't go all in, with an all-encompassing financial plan on day one or if they don't understand everything perfectly or, you know, they're not exactly sure where to start, that that represents some kind of failure. And that just couldn't be further from the truth. So I think that the inaction that financial perfectionism can invoke is one of the other really big barriers that I see when women are trying to start taking a more active role in their financial future.
1: And that aligns really well with with what we're seeing too, Michelle. So from our research, um, it shows that women don't get involved in finances as much as they should due to a lack of confidence, um, entrenched roles, complacency, and simply to keep the peace in their relationship. So having a lack of confidence could be expressed as believing that it's just too stressful, that you have no idea where to begin, which is, you know, similar to what you were just explaining, Michelle, or or maybe that you're afraid of of making a mistake. And in our research, about two-thirds of women told us that they think their spouse knows more. And in our 2018 research, about two times as many married men told us that they feel more confident in making financial decisions than their women counterparts, which really signals a confidence issue, not a competence issue. The second factor is the entrenched societal roles, meaning potentially putting off learning about finances because you're too busy. Many women told us they take a divide-and-conquer approach in their households, and finances were just not something that they had time for or were invested in taking on on top of the many other responsibilities and hats that they might wear, such as caregiving. Um, Many women and couples told us their partner always handled the finances, so it's easier to just let that continue. Um, The third piece around complacency simply means not being interested or preferring not to have to deal with it. And then finally, a number of women cited wanting to keep the peace and avoid arguments over money as a reason for not being involved. And our team reframes the topic of financial education through the lens of financial participation, which has really resonated well with women to help them take their rightful seat at the money table. And I think it kind of comes full circle, Michelle, to, to what you were sharing as well.
0: Thank you both so much for joining us today. You've both shared a lot of great information. What are some takeaways that can help women take step forward in their financial journey?
2: Yeah, I can start with this one. And, you know, I was just talking about some kind of financial perfectionism. And, Nicole, I I agree. I think that we are totally on the same page with what we're hearing from a lot of different women. But my best advice is to take a place to start and don't let it be intimidating. You know, take five minutes and go online and check your credit card balances or your bank statements. Or if you have 15 minutes to spare, you have a 401k plan through your employer or something close to that, go on and check the beneficiaries. Are they up to date? Are you receiving the match from your company? Or, you know, if you have 30 minutes, maybe take some time to review um some different authors who write about investing or the markets and bookmark the website, We so actually remember to go back to it too. Um and I would suggest a great place to start could be federatedinvestors.com because right on our homepage, we have an insight section, and this is where we feature a number of our thought leaders, and they write weekly articles and record videos and make podcasts about what's going on in the economy and in the markets and um, I think that that's a really easy way to feel like there's a face behind what you're hearing, and we can break it down for investors. Or we also have a resource tab at the very top of our homepage that says resources for individual investors, and that can be another great place to start. No matter where you are in your financial journey, because it can break down some interesting concepts and some of the jargon that might prevent women from from feeling like you know they're interested in learning more. So again, I, I would just say start somewhere. Start with something little. Start with something big if you want to, but Building these smaller habits can help you feel empowered to take control of the bigger commitments and all of this works together to paint the picture of financial wellness.
1: And I'll, I'll add to that, Michelle. So first I would say, you know, we need to make sure we're having the right conversations and Our research showed many women plan to have those important financial conversations as a result of the pandemic, and we've consistently heard that talking about money is considered taboo for many people, which we've touched upon today, but our research also found that open conversations about finances are critical and that these conversations need to happen on a regular basis, and it's a great first step that you can take or a great way to continue your existing level of involvement. Talking about money is not only a meaningful way to engage with partners or spouses. It's also a way to learn about how trusted people in your life handle their financial decisions, which may help you in handling your own. Or conversely, if you are involved or have taken steps to manage your financial future, you have the opportunity to to share what you know and act as a role model to inspire others to take those first steps. A financial professional can look at your total wealth picture, offer objective advice and help fill in Any gaps, depending on where you are in your financial journey. And finally, I would encourage those listening to visit UBS.com forward slash women to explore additional intellectual capital, resources, articles, podcasts, and more on this topic. But with that, I really thank you all for your time today.
2: Thank you so much, Nicole and Siobhan. I've really enjoyed getting to have this conversation today in celebration of International Women's Day and during Women's History
0: Month. Perfect. Thank you so much, Michelle and Nicole, for joining us.
3: UBS Financial Services, Inc., or its affiliates and its employees are not affiliated with any third-party speakers mentioned.